This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. Located in Metro Atlanta. Seeks to be defined by grace, grace, grace community, community, and, and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. Or Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Good versus evil is this universal theme that we see in literature, it's in film, it's in music even. And often we see this fleshed out as light versus dark. It's one of the most common motifs in the stories that we consume and engage in. Almost 400 years before Jesus was even born, Plato uses this in the allegory of the cave. It's in Shakespeare. It's in all of those stories that we read in English class. It's in the Scarlet Letter. It's in the Great Gatsby. It's in Greek mythology. It's in Disney movies. It's in Marvel and DC. It's in fantasy. We have dark lords and dark wizards and the dark side. And the dark side is what brings aggression and violence and greed and desolation. And the light side is what brings peace and justice and truth and life. Light and dark are present in a lot of world religions as well. Many cosmologies have some sort of concept in creation of light being infused into darkness. Ancient Mayan, Aztec, and Egyptian religious practices orient somehow around a sun god that is representative of life and darkness that is symbolic of death. Taoism has this sensibility of light and dark as two sides that are opposites but are somehow connected. Shintoism has a festival of lights, and they're one of many religions with a sun goddess. So light versus dark is this universal thread. And it's a universal thread because there's something in how we were designed. There's something in the purpose that we were created for that understands this dynamic. Because we are made in the image of a God of light. And he is a God who set the stage on creation, and this story we live in with light and dark. This isn't just a fantastic literary motif or an interesting anthropological study, but this is also a theological construct that has been unfolding since the dawn of creation. In scripture, often where you see physical light, there's also something spiritual at play, and we see that right in the beginning. The very first words of scripture introduce us to the theme of light and darkness. And this sets the stage for the entire narrative and the whole story that we currently live in. Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered over the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was a morning. One day. Our introduction to God is that of a conqueror of darkness. The very first action recorded is how he commands light into existence. Let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. God creates this balance then right away of light and darkness. 
in the form of day and night. And he does that by giving a boundary for the darkness through the rhythm he manifests. Now that light is broken in, in the story, now the rest of creation can come. Light ushers in the abundance and the flourishing of life in God's world. But it is not long before that boundary, balance is disrupted. Before night somehow wins over day in the story, as a kind of darkness comes for the light. For as light won in creation... Adam and Eve, God's first image bearers, go to the dark side. Man and woman join the darkness and with their sin disrupt this perfect balance and make it turn over into chaos, leading the world into a kind of darkness. Scripture really could kind of be boiled down to a story of the battle between light and dark as the good boundary that God set in place initially needs to be restored again. We live in a story of light being restored and infused back into creation. His light is an answer to darkness. His life is an answer to death. While the effects of darkness are far-reaching, they are not too difficult for God. Psalm 139, 11 through 12 says, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night. But even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. So this doesn't mean darkness and light are the same in God's eyes, but it does mean that neither hinder him. The effects of darkness are not the same on God as they are on us. So the dark is not dark to you is that darkness cannot change God. It cannot affect God. We are affected by the darkness, but he is not, which means the restoration of the place of light and its life-giving properties completely hinges on him. And in this, our God does not fail. He was clear about how he will write all of this again in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 18 through 22. God in that passage promises of a day when violence will never again be heard of in your land. Devastation and destruction will be gone from your borders. You will call your walls salvation and your city gates praise. The sun will no longer be your light by day, and the brightness of the moon will not shine over you. The Lord, the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your sorrow will be over. All your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. They are the branch I planted, the work of my hands, so that I may be glorified. I am the Lord. I will accomplish this quickly in its time. So the Lord says someday the effects of darkness, the violence, the destruction, the the devastation will end. Someday your sorrow will be over and it will be replaced by the things of light again. Salvation, praise, and righteousness. And what he's comparing that to here, someday I'm replacing the sun and the moon as the light. Because he is the source. He is true light. He is the restorer of light in this space back to its rightful place. And a benefit that we have as God's people that they did not when they first heard this thousands of years ago is that 
we have been able to see and experience so much more of that trajectory as Jesus came to bring light and life to the here and now. And you know why Jesus can come as light? Because he was there with God in the beginning, creating the first light. And then he comes to this place that is shrouded in darkness in order to restore it back again. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him, and without him not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light of the world. We know that phrase kind of rolls off the tongue, but this is why. Jesus came as the source of light, as incarnate light into the darkness, which means all of his moving and speaking and actions, his very being here was a threat to the darkness. And in order for him to overturn it completely, Jesus steps more fully into the darkness than anyone else ever could. He sacrifices himself to the darkness, to darkness that we brought into the world. In three of the Gospels, it notes during Jesus' crucifixion, as he's hanging on the cross to be executed, that for three hours during the day, it goes dark. So as Jesus is plunging himself spiritually into utter darkness so that we don't have to go there, the physical elements of nature, the balance of the day and the night is completely disrupted because creation cannot help but react and respond to the sacrifice of its creator to the darkness, of the sacrifice of light to the dark. That light shines in the darkness. So that darkest place ever possible on the cross. And yet we know the darkness does not overcome it. Instead of being extinguished by the darkness, Jesus as light emerges gloriously, victoriously in a mighty blow to the dark. This act by the creator of light is yes for our salvation, but it's also to restore the light of God back to its proper place. Jesus' crucifixion means that light will be in its rightful place in God's new creation. He also purchased that back. And we see that in Revelation chapter 21, 23, and 24. It says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glow of God illuminates it. And its lamp is the lamp. It's Jesus in the new creation. It says the nations will walk by its light. Revelation 22.5 says night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The new earth has the right positioning of the light again. And as God's children, we get to be a part of this because of what we see in 1 Peter 2.9 where it says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. 
so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. In Christ, God has chosen and called you out of the destruction and the damage and the captivity of the darkness and into fruitful, abundant life as one who can now make a home in his marvelous light. To believe in the person of Jesus, to repent of your sin, is to choose the family of light with the father of light at the helm. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So whether you feel like it right now or not, I don't know what this week brought you. I don't know what's hanging over you right now. But if you belong to Jesus, you have the light of life. The light of life that was present at creation, that overcame the darkness, and that will be the centerpiece of restored creation. You have that right now. A light that operates beyond and outside of time is a part of you. Having that means we are then tasked to live separate from the ways of the darkness because we've been transformed. We've been made new. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14 say, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You were once darkness, this says. You were once darkness, but now. But now you are light. And we are right now, with that being true, in the timeline of the story, still living in a place that is shrouded with much darkness. But in Christ, we live in darkness as the embodiments of let there be light. We are incarnate light. Because Jesus, who calls himself light, also says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So why are you here? Why do you exist? Jesus, the author of light, is pretty clear. You are here to light up darkness as incarnate light with how you live in a way that brings attention to the God of light. Paul in Ephesians 5 here gives us great jumping off point about what that even means. He says, what is good, what is right, what is true, what is pleasing to God. To be going after darkness is to be pursuing a light 
a life of light, which means in our own personal areas where we are still falling into or are maybe drawn into some dark spaces, we need to be actively working out our salvation with fear and trembling by exposing those things. So where are you maybe hiding in, drawn to, dabbling in some kind of space of darkness still? The darkness can be really clever in that it can feel like safety. It's a place to hide. It's a place to lick our wounds. It's a place to be parts of ourselves that we want to entertain without interference. The darkness can be ways that we're insulating aspects of ourselves from community and from the spirit so that we then do not have to repent or change. So where are you hiding things that are in opposition to the character of the God of light and who he is remaking you to be? Because to stay there, the result will never be wholeness, healing, or flourishing for you. Harboring places of darkness will only bring sickness and decay and pain. My uh, dad, when I was a kid, was in a bluegrass band, bluegrass gospel band, and I loved tagging along with him to all of the nursing homes and country churches and campgrounds in central Minnesota. And so all week, I had my dad's voice in my head as I keep thinking of the song, I Saw the Light, that he used to sing. Think of Hank Williams initially. But the line I kept going back to as I kept hearing him this week was, just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. That staying in darkness is claiming worries and fears as your own. But you don't have to do that because God is trying to bring you to light. Why would we claim those things when there's a way out? The darkness is a place where worry and shame and guilt and fear dwell. The darkness makes you then think that those things should not be brought to light. That you shouldn't let God shine light there. Because when you bring them into light, it's going to hurt at first maybe even more than it had been hurting previously. It's like that blinding light when you first turn it on in the morning. And I know this is very specific, but I kept thinking, you know, when you go to a movie in the middle of the day and you step outside, it's almost jarring. It's jarring because it's kind of weird to go to a movie in the middle of the day, but it's also just jarring because you've been in that dark for so long. It kind of hurts initially, but if you endure it, if you hang in there, you adjust to the light. And you adjust because your body is designed to adjust. Desi- being, um, we are designed to adjust to light. It's in our makeup. And then, once you adjust, you can see much better, more clearly than you could before when you were in the dark. So initial exposure is painful, but exposure is a necessary part of the path to healing and wholeness and restoration. It's kind of like when you have a splinter, right? The splinter hurts. And unfortunately with splinters, there usually isn't a way to remove it without a little more pain first. There's some digging, a needle maybe, maybe even some bleeding. But if you can withstand that, that cause of that pain is ultimately what makes you better. No longer fearing infection. No longer having that pain increase and linger. 
coming into the light with some things will hurt for a while. But when you go there in faith, on the other side is healing and wholeness and relief. No more living with that fear of being found out. So if there's a voice telling you that you need to keep things hidden in the darkness, that you need to keep pressing on in the midst of what you're harboring, if you need to keep a lid on it so you can continue walking in the old self, that voice is not God. The darkness is a liar, and that voice is a lie. So as light, refuse to believe the lie the darkness is telling you about yourself. For when you refuse to believe that lie, it is an affront to the darkness and our enemy of sin. The enemy fears light, fears exposure, fears truth. So call the darkness out. When it is telling you the lie that the light of Christ is not enough. Call it for what it is and call the light of Christ for what it is. What conquers and what heals and what brings life and wholeness. And where the darkness maybe seems like it's slowly suffocating you right now, it's hard to see the way out, remember that even while you are there, you are not separated from a God of light. Darkness, remember, is not a threat to him. I love Micah 7, 8, and 9, where it says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out into the light and I will look upon his vindication. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, which means sometimes you're going to be sitting in darkness, there the Lord will still be a light to me. So maybe where the darkness of your own sin has become a lot for you, you feel like you're sitting in that darkness, you need to remember that you're not a lost cause because he is the one who pleads your cause. He is the one who is with you and he is the one who will bring you out to light. When I need extra encouragement here, I often think of uh, Saul Paul. You know, Saul was in his own pride and self-righteousness, actively seeking out those who belonged to Jesus in order to murder them. So much so that he was very strategic about his plan to do so. Express the word. He gets leaders to validate his evil plans. He gets the religious institutions to put their stamp of approval on his plans for violence. It's pretty awful. And he's using his position as one of God's to validate violence and injustice against others. This is a tale as old as time. It's not unique to us. And so Saul's on his way, keeping this strategic plan in motion, a heart and mind that is really in darkness. And suddenly light from heaven shines around. So much so it just knocks him back to the ground. He's going on his old merry way. He's plotting, he's scheming when bam. He is physically assaulted by this light. So much so it knocks him back. At the same time, he's confronted by light on every other level as he hears the voice of Jesus say, Hey, Saul, Saul, why are you coming after me? Why are you coming after my people? Why are you persecuting me? And as Saul has been leading people into darkness, God then puts him into 
physical darkness by blinding him. And as he had been leading people in darkness, it says he has to be led by the hand for three days. So wonderfully poetic. Until God sends Ananias to him to restore his sight. Even though Ananias is kind of unsure about this at first, we have this whole thing where Ananias is like, how are you sure this is who you mean? Because Saul's kind of the worst in case you missed that. But God says he's a chosen instrument of mine. I have plans for him. And when Ananias touches him, it says something like scales fall from his eyes. He comes back into physical light at the same moment he gains spiritual light. He had been bent upon darkness. He wasn't even looking for light. And God does it. God breaks in. He is always the reason that we are brought into light, even the worst of worst, even when we are waiting for our own darkness. Saul is this great case study for us where we are feeling like God may be hindered by the darkness of our past sin. It's not hard for him to break in, which means, friends, when you are feeling like there are dark spaces in or around you right now that are insurmountable, yeah, they are for you. But that's okay because we have a God who his very nature is to overturn that darkness into light and bring us out. Psalm 1828 says, For it is you who lighten the lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. We don't light it. God in and through us does. And when there are times when the darkness is kind of lingering in some way, hold on to the fact again that he is with you while you are in that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they guide me, they comfort me. Sometimes we're tarrying in that valley of shadow. We're not alone, says he is with us. So as children of light, if you're having to navigate through a valley of darkness right now, remember that as his, it is not possible for you to be without him. His nature is that he is there. You cannot wade through the darkness alone but God does not tell you to. You cannot push back the darkness alone, but God does not require that of us. He knows we can't and he's got us because he is light and he is enough. This little light of mine may be a sweet little song, some nostalgia for us, but it's not really accurate. This is not a little light. This is a light that knocked a murderous Saul back off his feet and out of a dark light. It is a light that gave the boundary to darkness in the beginning that it should not have been able to cross. And it's a light that's going to fix where the darkness crossed the boundary. It went to the center of the darkness and said, back off, and the darkness will have to flee from it in the end. So where does it feel like darkness is encroaching right now for you? Is there isolation and personal struggles that you feel like you just can't share? Is there loneliness as around you some of the relationships are changing? Is it just the never-ending brutalities against image bearers in our world? Is it all the demands and expectations upon you that are feeling like it's too much to bear? Are you holding in your memory and your body different trauma? 
are destructive words that people spoke over you in the past, just hanging over you like a shadow? Where is darkness looming, hovering, fighting to take up residence in your heart and mind? Because as children of light, we rebuke that. We remind ourselves again and again, preach it to yourself. Let scripture and the spirit and community impress upon you over and over again. In Christ, even in those things, you are light. As God's child, you are light, and this light has overcome darkness. In the book, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle, it has these great images of dark and light. And in this book, if you haven't read it, there's these three children, and they're on this quest to find the father of two of the children. One of the, ch- one of the kids' names is Charles Wallace. So they're brought throughout the universe trying to find father with these three guides. And one of the guides is named Mrs. Quetzit. And as they're being brought by these guides throughout the universe, it's under attack. It's under attack from this evil that is manifest as this large, dark cloud called the black thing, which is really basically representative of evil. And so they're having to deal with the effects of this thing, this darkness as it grows, and as its threat increases and tries to consume what is all of light, until they witness something extraordinary. It says, suddenly there was a great burst of light through the darkness. The light spread out, and where it touched the darkness, the darkness disappeared. The light spread until the patch of dark thing had vanished and there was only a gentle shining. And through the shining came the stars, clear and pure. Then slowly the shining dwindled until it too was gone and there was nothing but stars and starlight. No shadows, no fear. Charles Wallace said in a small voice, tell us exactly what happened, please. It was a star, Mrs. Wetsit said, a star giving up its life in battle with the thing. It won. Oh, yes, my children, it won. But it lost its life in the winning. The ultimate eternal light gave up its life by sacrificing to the darkness so the darkness would be overcome and overturned back into light so light would be secured for us, so we no longer have to be threatened by eternal darkness. We have a future that is now no shadows, no fear. Sacrifice was made for your ability to be claimed back as God's child of light. And as the God of light, he is so in your corner as you are working out right now what it is to live as light in the darkness. So take heart there. For we are a people for his own possession. That we may proclaim together the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. So sisters and brothers, we live as light because God has called us light and we are who God says we are. As children of light, we belong to the overcomer of darkness and we are tasked to image the ultimate light who has overcome, is overcoming, and will overcome darkness forever. Please pray with me. 
Father of light, we praise you and thank you that as we live and dwell in what can feel like such a dark space, that we live in a time where we can have this full and certain knowledge of the fact that you have overturned these things and that you are with us while we are still in this already but not yet of living out what it is to dwell here. And so I ask, Father, for us in these spaces where we are wrestling through different levels of darkness, whether it is something that is coming from outside of us or it is something that we are wrestling with internally, that you would be a God there that lightens that darkness and that we would be a people that is so bent upon understanding your heart that we would actually see that, that expectations or ideas we have of what that might look like would not get in the way. But instead, give us eyes to even see where you are currently around us, lightening the darkness and using us as your people to do so. Father, I ask that you would uplift our hearts in this, that in the wrestling, we would have much joy as you give us more eternal and grander perspective of what, of what it is that you are light and that you have reshaped us as your image bearers into light as well. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Please hear the benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, to him be glory both in the church and in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.